1: Hi, and welcome to the State of Cannabis News Hour, where we bring you all the top stories you need to know and talk about them for four minutes and 20 seconds. We are a group of experts in different cannabis spaces with a wide diversity of perspectives and life experiences. Our news is bite-sized and infused with a nice mix of facts, opinions, and a pinch of humor. It's Monday, April 18th, 2022. This is episode number 260. I'm Susan Sores, the founder of the State of Cannabis News Hour, author of the children's book, What's Growing in Grandma's Garden, and Cannabis' Favorite Grandma, aka Nanogram. If you're listening to the podcast or watching on the YouTube channel, the show is live every weekday at 9 a.m. Pacific on Clubhouse. Spark it up with us and over 29000 state of cannabis news hour members if you want to be an audience participant otherwise please subscribe to support our show we'd love to hear from you so please leave us a review today we're talking about female oil wrestlers arrested in texas for cannabis rules for flying with weed, a bill that would change penalties for military members, a new positive poll on Americans and legalization, New York City mayor wants to grow on low-income housing rooftops, off-duty cops in New Jersey can smoke weed, the DEA getting real on weed coming from Mexico pregnant rihanna goes weed free and many other frosty nuggets so stay tuned in for the full 60 minutes of the state of cannabis news hour the following program contains coarse language and nudity viewer discretion is advised audience feel free to raise your hands if you want to weigh in on a headline after it's been read and we'll try to bring you up to the stage keep it brief and relevant or you might get the gong I'm going to start the show off today because we've got some guests in the audience um, and they're part of the story. My story today is about an event that I'm going to on 420. It's a press release from Cizon and the title is Climate Crisis and Cannabis Converge for Historical 420 PPM on 420. The event is at Dennis Hopper's house in Venice. The event is to make a bad 420 number, 420 ppm. From one of the organizers, quote, the 420 numeral holds a high place in cannabis culture. Breaching the 420 PPM milestone creates this one-time convergence of climate and cannabis where we can activate a space for people to channel the positive energy of the cannabis community into climate action, particularly with regard to the increasingly overwhelming choices facing cannabis consumers, unquote, explained organizer, climate scientist, and journalist Peter Denon and I think we are in the audience if my um moderators could help bring them up. Um, my, As you all know, my choice has been sun-grown since I met Tim Blake 10 years ago. I gave up my tents and my lights, and I went outdoors, and I never looked back. Sorry, Jason Beck. Research shows, from the article, uh, research, research shows that the annual total amount of energy used to power indoor cannabis grows is equivalent to powering 2 million homes with emissions equal to 3 million U.S. cars. Additionally, we know that indoor cannabis cultivation labs produce 25 times more CO2 than outdoor grows, with regenerative uh, outdoor grows not only having carbon footprint of virtually zero, but also helping to sequester carbon. From the other event organizer who I can't wait to meet, Alexis Kafkis, quote: When you see how detrimental industrial-scale cannabis cultivation is for the environment, you can't unsee it. It's time to move past the novelty of legal cannabis and become more mindful of the integrity of the cannabis products we put in our bodies. Where was it grown, and how was it cultivated? Our purchasing decisions impact the environment. It doesn't make sense to eat organic food, but smoke industrial-grown, chemically-treated cannabis. We have an opportunity right now, while the cannabis industry is young, and emergent to instill values that will guide us towards regenerative practices. This plant can help us do right by the planet. And together with our 420 PPM on 420 partners, we look forward to educating consumers as to how. Uh, end quote. Thank you so much for this event. I can't wait to go. Do we get them up on stage?
0: I don't know. I just have to push back a little bit, Susan, to say that indoor weed can be organic. It doesn't have to be full of your pesticide-driven whatever, accoutrements and whatnot. But indoor weed is far superior to outdoor weed.
1: I knew you were going to say that.
0: Fake
2: news. Which part? It can be organic, but still, environmental impact is what it is.
3: Yeah, I think that's really the issue. If you look at things like that, it's like the terpenes and cannabinoid profiles are very similar, but it's really the sustainability issue.
0: I mean, I just feel like all the people in the cannabis industry that want to do amazing things by the environment should really um, focus, one, on on packaging within the cannabis space and working to change some of the laws so we can go back to a deli style of serving the consumer base. On top of it, there's a whole number of other industries that are far larger gross polluters than the cannabis industry, and they should focus on those.
3: Facts. Very true, but cannabis should lead the way. Cannabis is the canary in the coal mine, just showing even the level of pesticides we have in these greenhouses and all these areas that have accumulated forever chemicals and things like that. Well, I think we also need to open up
4: state-to-state transportation. You know, some states can grow amazing weed because they have the perfect environment, and then other states are really forced indoors. I think almost all of us would prefer a really nice outdoor sun-baked grow, or, except Jason, and it sounds like That shit's boof, <laughs>
0: Dr. Mary. That's just, think- all that shit's good for is going in the in the fireplace to have a terpy experience. Well, the thing
4: is, we've got-
2: like, we should be growing. To Liz's point, you know, you know, uh, we are having as an industry, we are having conversations that all other industries haven't been haven't had the balls enough to approach. So I really think at the forefront of that uh, environment should be, you know, at the forefront of that as well.
5: I agree with I agree with you, Priscilla. But uh, at the same time, uh, we got to make sure we're picking our battles at this moment in time like are we going to make money off of that are we going to benefit as a community uh off of uh, let's 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 hear because we're at time
1: let's hear here the event organizers peter and lexi let's give them 20 seconds each
6: hey good morning Uh, my name is pete thanks so much for having us susan you know for most of human evolution for the past three million years planet earth's carbon dioxide concentration was around 280 parts per million Uh, When I was born in 1987, it was at 353 parts per million. And we're at an exponential rate of increase, um, currently 2.5 parts per million annually. This is the first year, this is the first month. Actually, last week we crossed 420 parts per million for the first time in human history. Uh, The last time it was that high, you have to go back 3 million years when the sea levels were about 100 feet higher and humans didn't yet walk the earth. And so we're playing within this very narrow parameter of... Uh, of uh, climate evolution. Um, and this opportunity where 420 parts per million came around right at the cannabis holiday was too perfect of a, of a synchronicity for us to let go without organizing an event for climate action, education and awareness and folding in obviously the huge intersection of the climate crisis and cannabis.
1: I can't wait to, to meet you guys. Lexi, did you wanna give us the last word?
7: yes i will jump in thank you susan so excited to to have you join us on wednesday and um for this event, we have partnered with Sun and Earth, which is um, funded by Dr. Bronner's in Patagonia as an initiative to have a certification in the industry that allows consumers to know, right? Like when you go into a grocery store, you know what the organic certification means. We don't quite have something like that in cannabis. So they're working towards that. And they are certifying Sun Grown. And I know a lot of people come in and we there are the issues with Sun Grown, right? How can we keep up with the, with the massive industry when we only have one crop? a year. But we do also have brand partners involved who are um, doing indoor grows, but are totally off-grid using solar power um, and dynamic indoor grows too. And that is all an option for how we can move forward. So we're bringing in a lot of different voices, um, a lot of different brand perspectives and from farmers and social justice leaders and all of that to kind of have this discussion and that we're having here of You know, what is the best way we know that there has to be a better way um, since as we as we grow large scale and in states that don't have the the environment that California has. So we're excited to kind of see all the different opinions and, and what everyone can bring to the table.
1: Thank you, Lucky. I know uh, several of our correspondents uh, are going to come as well. Uh, I look forward to meeting you and uh, learning more at the event, and then we're going to continue the conversation at the State of Cannabis in the Americas event in June. But thank you so much for coming. Up next we've got Rico Lamite. He likes to ask the tough questions that the mainstream media refuses to ask. The self-proclaimed dopest dad alive is here to encourage other dope dads. Find him on TEDx or at one of his Canavision events but always find him here every weekday as co-producer of the state of cannabis news hour
5: Good morning everybody my story is coming from Jessica Harkey from the Fort Worth Star Telegram this morning uh, bikini clad female oil wrestlers arrested in Texas on cannabis charges Five members of the Hollywood knockouts were arrested on cannabis charges en route to Fort Worth last week never heard of them well you need to because they're a group of bikini clad oil wrestlers currently on a nationwide tour bringing their talents to your city very soon. The knockouts were on their way to a performance Tuesday evening at Whiskey Garden in Fort Worth, just four hours before lubing up for the event. To, um, the venue took to Facebook, crypt- cryptically announcing the we're going to be can- canceling the event uh, due to some unfortunate circumstances with the wrestlers according to their page whiskey gardens trying to reschedule for the event but it's unsure when and they did not respond to requests from uh, for comment both from the stark telegram and myself two women involved were charged with possession of less than two ounces of cannabis another was charged with possession between two and four ounces and two more were charged with possession of more than four ounces according to reports all five women were released on bond That evening, um, these all-American political prisoners took to Facebook, notching another win for people, for the people, in the ongoing war on drugs. Three posted their mugshots saying that they're from California, and they were arrested after their van was unlawfully searched at a traffic stop. And uh, Kellyanne Douglas, one of the performers involved, commented below the, the mugshots, We already have someone coming to the show tonight because of it. No such thing as bad publicity. Kissy face. Without further information in the police report, other than each of their files showing possession of marijuana, I have to admit I side with the ladies on this one. No reckless driving, speeding, just possession. Now if you if you and a group of your bikini clad uh homegirls were pulled over in a van by the cops. Nothing more on the report showing why they pulled you over. I wonder what the description uh, that these women fit for you to be so suspicious of their activities. I don't know what the penalties are in Texas for possession and uh, for what amounts, but I'd assume they'd be able to beat this case pretty easy if it was just uh, uh, judging by probable cause. Uh, I mean, Texas is one of those freer states and all, uh, and I hope these ladies get off scot free and use the free publicity to spread more awareness about bikini oil wrestling. This is Rico Lamit, Dobazad out on the street reporting live for the State of Cannabis NewsHour. And I'm interested to see what the lawyers in the room think of this, and if anyone in the audience from Texas wants to speak up as well. Free. I
8: mean,
2: they should have just bikini. told the cops, hey, let's wrestle our way out of this. Whoever wins, you know, gets to go free.
0: <laughs> that would have been so... So classic, Priscilla. So, so classic. And I totally support the women of Glow Wrestling.
5: <laughs> glow Wrestling? What, what is Glow Wrestling? You don't remember Glow Wrestling, Rico, back in the day? Are you serious? No, I'm pretty serious. What What's Glow Wrestling?
0: Isn't it a TV show? It was a TV it's, show. You're very correct. It's, it's on
9: Netflix. Not on Netflix, right?
0: Uh, no, no, no. This was on this was on television, like in the eighties. It was the like the glamorous something, but it was all like all like chicks wrestling. I think what you're referring to, Christopher, is the documentary of them starting Glow wrestling.
5: I think Chris, uh, Gr- Christopher is talking about the uh, Netflix series uh, Glow uh, about the uh, this like the transgender community out in uh, New York.
9: Uh, I just mentioning that just mentioning the show but I think this this incident I think has to do more with uh I, I think as Rico's describing it this incident has more to do with sort of an illegal search and seizure right
8: Don't you have to get permission to allow your vehicle to be searched these days
0: Right. And that's what I was asking
8: if, if, if
9: they, they have, have prob-
0: any... if they have if the they have probable cause they don't need your permission to search your vehicle
10: There's but nothing they need the to list. be able to articulate that probable cause so they have to articulate that yeah, they have to be in awful. the police
5: report other than I'm looking at it right now uh, possession of marijuana that's it so why did they even did, pull over the van It could have been in plain view did they too, put their Rico? mug
1: did, I was looking for their mugshots I didn't see any did you see any mugshots Rico I'm in the
5: slack channel yeah
1: okay cool I'm obsessed with mugshots but we need to keep on moving uh, shoot where am I? Okay. Up next is co-producer Jason Beck. His provocative spin keeps the show popping. He has proven to be one of the most resilient players in the weed game since starting his first store in San Francisco. Rated by the DEA multiple times and surviving the drama of the past few decades, he's legitimately the longest continuous cannabis retailer in the United States. What you got today, Jason?
0: oh yeah thank you so much susan today my headline comes from an airport near you where flying with weed tsa marijuana rules are explained ah but can you fly with it and by the and by fly We mean literally flying on a plane, not metaphorically. The short answer is no. And at the same time, the answer is sort of, kind of, and maybe, you know, take your risks. According to the Transportation Security Administration, marijuana and certain cannabis-infused products, including some cannabidiol, CBD oil, remain illegal under federal law, except for products that contain no more than 0.3 THC On, on, on a dry weight basis. Or that are approved by the FDA, which is actually none of them, besides stuff like Epidiolex and all that other crap. See the agricultural improvements uh, area in the t- in in the federal government. If you want more on this topic, TSA officers are required to report any suspected violations to lo- to law enforcement at a local, state, and federal authorities. There, there's your hard no: marijuana is still illegal to fly with. However. TSA screening procedures are focused on security and are designed to detect potential threats to aviation and passengers. According to TSA office, uh, according accordingly, TSA security officers do not search for cannabis or other illegal drugs. But if any illegal substances is, are discovered during the security screening, TSA will refer the matter to local law enforcement there's your sort of it's it's a risk you as a passenger will have to take the TSA takes jurisdiction over airline policy when it comes to marijuana and will refer you to the proper authorities if they find it if they if they find it being The key phrase, for instance, when the state of New York last year legalized adult-use cannabis possession for up to three ounces of cannabis, TSA spokesperson Lisa Faberstein admitted the strange dichotomy of the interpretation of the law. Faberstein said the TSA officers are looking for cannabis but have a legal duty to report it. If they find more than three ounces of the stuff, there has been no charge in the way of that, basically, is what they're basically saying. TSA handles marijuana or other drugs that TSA offers come across when they are performing their security duties, Faberstein told the the Gotham magazine. And Benjamin Barham, a spokesperson for the Port Authority, which operates John F. Kennedy International Airport, as well as LaGuardia Airport in New York City, says New Yorkers 21 and older can possess, obtain, and transport up to three ounces of cannabis. Therefore, PAPD does not issue tickets, seize, or arrest at the amount uh, at new york airports another point to consider is where you are traveling to as a final destination while security might not be why security may be more accepting of limited cannabis use um, only 18 states less than half have legalized cannabis for adult use purposes so while you think you've dodged a bullet by getting your stash past the tsa checkpoint you still may have to deal with state laws depending on where you arrive and i'll tell you what I've flown all over the place. I know Nevada has a policy that you cannot bring weed into an airport. It's actually a misdemeanor crime to bring weed onto a federal property, which they are deeming as that. I know that San Francisco, Oakland, San Jose, and LAX all have the official airport policy that if you're caught with cannabis, they turn you over to local law enforcement and let let them figure it out from there. But even more importantly, they just put up a new sign at LAX. Okay, and this is very, very interesting. Begin the sign reads, Attention! Traveling where narcotics equals an arrest. Narcotics include concentrated cannabis, cannabis edibles, vapes, shatter, wax, and honey oil. And this is a brand new sign. And so, listen, trappers, beware. Watch out for TSA next time you're pulling through to pull up and release your trap bag. And this is Jason Beck reporting for the State of Cannabis Hour.
3: Wait, wait, wait. Isn't it what you always say, Jason? Don't get
0: caught. 100%. But this is the PSA, TSA.
3: That sign was actually um, posted
4: back in October. They did an article about it. I think Omar was quoted in one of the articles about it.
0: I'm a firm believer of why smoke and drive when you could fly. You know what I mean? I know I fucked up that saying
10: all good. I hate Jason. I always chat up the TSA agents. I've had a couple of really early, early, early morning recent flights where I'm like the only one in security. And after I get through, uh, I'll chat them up and I've talked to a couple of them. They're like, yep, we're supposed to report it, but we don't get paid enough for that. We're here to look out for stuff that's going to affect national security. That's pretty much the consistent answer that I've received. Uh, obviously that's not an official word as, as your article states, but I thought it was important to note. I like to chat them up and ask them what they think about it
0: now now chris is that out of reno airport or out of oakland's airport
10: i've chatted up uh tsa agents actually good question both you nailed it, both of them uh, reno and oakland
0: fascinating reno nevada letting people fly with weed
10: that's assuming i had some on me jason
5: i always <laughs> assume so everyone decision. has weed on them Yes, yeah, indeed. We're of in time for that story. Up next, she's a feisty, red-headed conservative with alleged Mayflower roots, never backing down from cross-isle challenges from pot and liberals. Also the founder of Panoptic Strategies and our very own Washington Insider. Coming to the stage next is Gretchen Gailey. Happy Monday, Gretchen. What you got for us today?
4: Happy Monday, Rico. There, there's no alleged roots. These are verified. Uh, my headline comes from Uh, marijuana moment. Uh, The new congressional bill would put marijuana penalties for military members on par with alcohol-related punishments. A new congressional bill would make it so the punishment for military service members who use or possess marijuana could not exceed penalties for being drunk or incapacitated on duty. Representative Anthony Brown filed the Restoring Equity for Offenses Related to Marijuana a.k.a. Reform Act, last week. It would amend the Uniform Code of Military Justice to more closely align with cannabis and alcohol-related penalties. The text of the bill says that penalty for, quote, wrongful use of marijuana shall not exceed that for being drunk on duty under existing statute. Further, the penalty for, quote, wrongful possession of marijuana couldn't exceed that for incapacitation for duty from drunkenness or drug use. As it stands, the punishment for wrongful possession of up to 30 grams of cannabis carries a maximum penalty of dishonorable discharge, forfeiture of all pay and allowances, and confinement for two years. Uh, Possession of more than 30 grams can escalate the maximum confinement to five years. Uh, In contrast, if a person's use of alcohol renders them incapacitated for duty, they can face three months of confinement or forfeiture of two-thirds of their pay uh, every month for three months. Uh, Being drunk on duty is more serious, carrying a maximum penalty of bad conduct discharge, forfeiture of allowances, and pay for any confinement of up to nine months. Uh, It should be pointed out that a bad conduct discharge is significantly less serious than a dishonorable discharge under uh, the military code. Uh, The latter is considered to be the military equivalent of a felony. Um, Brown's Reform Act seeks to reduce the marijuana and alcohol punishment disparity. He said, equal justices in our efforts to ensure equity in our country cannot ignore the disproportionate toll cannabis prosecutions have on service members of color. Black service members are disproportionately investigated and punished for drug-related offenses. The current code is out of date and out of touch with the current reality in our country, especially when you consider that some of these service members are enlisting from states where cannabis elite is illegal. Uh, Additionally, the bill would require military branches to annually report to congressional defense committees about drug testing and evaluation programs. Uh, The reports would need to include information about the number of drug tests that were administered, the number of positive tests, uh, disaggregated by a statistical category and substance and the resulting punishments for positive tests. Uh, The report also needs to include an analysis of any disparities among race, gender, ethnicity, and military installation uh, during the year covered by the report. Um, If Congress does take this up and moves it through, um, I do think this would be a good thing uh, for the military community. Um, For them, things start very incrementally, and we have seen Uh, The VA takes some baby steps, but in in general, uh, as we all know, the military is not on board at all with cannabis um, or hemp, CBD, whatever you want to put out there. Um, And so if we can start getting initial things moving forward and get this uh, through the military code uh, with the same type of repercussions that someone would get for alcohol, um, I think that helps to uh, work on the stigma in the military and perhaps get uh, more things that we need. Uh, like better care through the VA um, and access to medical cannabis. This is Gretchen for uh, State of Cannabis News Hour.
8: I agree with you, Gretchen. I, I think I love the spirit of this legislation, and I think it will do a lot to help with morale. And it's interesting that cannabis was not always treated in this manner in the military. It um, wasn't a, a drug that was even on their radar um, until after the 60s. So I, I, I say hats off to these uh, legislators for coming up with this.
3: I agree. Great story, Gretchen. And, you know, this really makes me think of someone like Sue Sicily, who we know, who's done so much research and then constantly been, you know, stopped at every spot. This would be so great.
4: And I think it'll, it'll go a long way to also help with, um, you know, folks who are applying for, uh, you know, their medical cards in other states when it comes to their uh, Second Amendment rights to hold on to their guns. Um, if the military can start looking at cannabis in a different way, um, I think this will greatly help. Uh, even on the state front.
0: I'm totally with this, Gretchen. I'm a big fan of this. Anything that helps bring more access uh, to, to our veterans, I'm totally with, as well as anything that helps protect Americans' free rights to maintain Second Amendment rights, I'm totally with as well.
1: This isn't veteran, veterans, it's active military.
4: Well, I think it it will carry over. I think if the active military takes a certain stance. That helps along with the retirees and with the VA. That's how I'm looking at I, I'm,
0: it. Um, yes, exactly, Gretchen. You're not they're not gonna tell they're not gonna say active military can smoke cannabis and veterans can't. It,
4: yeah, and I've I've talked to some folks before on military basis about this, so the higher ups. Um, and they say, you know, it's been a concern that spouses of the military, even though they're not subject to the same rules, but because they're on a military base, if they use medical cannabis, it, it just puts the military
1: did we lose Gretchen? Gretchen, you back? No, oh, we lost her. Let's keep smoking the I'm news. I'm really
3: curious if you guys think this will actually, like, pass or move forward. Because, I mean, I think the active-duty military that you brought up, Susan, is a really actually big issue. Like, I think it would have more potential with the veteran angle. We should drop
1: cannabis care bombs in the Ukraine and Russia. But let's keep smoking the news.
5: Dropping bombs, huh, Susan? Just not from exhibit.
1: Love bombs.
5: Well, then it's not going to be any bags,
1: outdoor.
0: It wouldn't be any outdoor because it would only be bomb weed.
1: The bomb.
5: Y'all missed the napalm
1: joke. <laughs> Do it again, Rico. You're right. Say it again.
5: No. <laughs> Let's run it. Uh, who
0: we got next <laughs> We next? Jason. All right. All right. All right. I was, I was hoping you were going to say it Rico, but whatever, whatever. <laughs> Susan, just make his voice louder in the replay. Uh, coming up next to the stage, we have Priscilla Agansillo. She's the CEO of award-winning Original Breeders League, MJ BizCon's 2021 Golden Bomb Influencer of the Year, and universally recognized as one of the dopest moms on the planet. What do you have this morning for us, Priscilla
2: Thank you, Mr. Beck. Uh, So my article today is from Forbes, and uh, it's titled, A Decade into Legal Cannabis, Americans See Legalization as a Net Positive for Economy and Society. So a decade after Colorado and Washington became the first states to legalize cannabis for adult use in the U.S. and following the passage of Amendment 64 and Initiative 502, the majority of Americans now believe cannabis has an overall positive impact on the creation of high-quality jobs, pun intended, at both the local and national level, economic growth, and society. This was pulled from a recent poll from Pollfish on behalf of Jushi Holdings. The poll found that more than half of cannabis consumers tried legal cannabis for the first time in the last year. The poll uh, covered 100... Uh, 100 sorry, 1,100 Americans, aged 21 and older, and they were questioned about their thoughts on cannabis consumption hab- habits and legalization. 61% uh, felt that cannabis plays an important role in supporting the U.S. Ec- economic growth. 62% also said that the cannabis industry is important for the local economy. 67% of surveyed people said that the federal banking restrictions should be lifted so that American cannabis companies can have equal access to banking services. Um, 30, identified as Democrats, 25 Republicans, independents, 24%, and 12.5% were other. Uh, They were also asked if they were more likely to support, uh, regardless of their political affiliation, um, a candidate that supported pro legalization. For cannabis, and 61% of the uh, pollers said that they would. Uh, So, those are really great facts. Uh, Medical use remained the top reason why people chose to use cannabis. And just to reiterate uh, this point, all cannabis is medical. So more than half, uh, no, more than a quarter of non-cannabis users stated that the primary reason that they would want to try cannabis product is for medical use, followed by stress. Edibles were also cited as the number one cannabis product for non-cannabis users and who would want to try, you know, a a cannabis product first, They'd, they'd go to edibles. A third of cannabis users consume one to two days a week, with the majority consuming in the evening. And the rest of the results of the poll will be released later today. So this is Priscilla reporting on some really great news uh, from Las Vegas for the
3: SSC News Hour. I love this story, Priscilla. Thank you so much. I love that the data is positive on this, and I think that it's definitely more in, you know, concurrence with the trends that we see nationwide. But um, it is, like, you know, published by Jushi Holdings, so unfortunately that is a little bit, like, biased, and it is in Forbes, which I think is pay-to-play.
1: Good to know. Well, if nobody has a comment, I'm going to relight the room.
0: You are tuned in to the State of Cannabis Hour, your daily
5: dose. The thoughts and opinions expressed in the State of Cannabis News Hour are those of the individual speakers and not those of any other speaker, the State of Cannabis or its members. The statements made in the State of Cannabis News Hour do not constitute legal or accounting advice and the State of Cannabis, and the speakers make no representation regarding the legal status of any in any country, area, or territory, or of any authorities. The views expressed in this room do not establish any fiduciary relationship. The sponsorship of the State of Cannabis News Hour do not imply or constitute any endorsement by the State of Cannabis or the expression of any opinion whatsoever on the part of the State of Cannabis or any speaker. Viewer discretion advised. Did you know that the State of Cannabis News Hour's reach goes far beyond the greater continental U.S.? It's true! We've got worldwide live audience members and active downloads as far away as the United Arab Emirates, Japan, even
8: China. China. I love them. China. 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 I have to have my China. China.
5: China. But also many other places. By becoming a sponsor, you can get your company the global marketing exposure you won't find anywhere else while supporting nonprofit cannabis news. Find out how you can support the State of Cannabis News Hour at www.justsaycare.org. Tell them Rico sent you.
1: Let's keep smoking the news.
5: China. <laughs> Up next, we've got one of the most versatile women in the game. She's an educator, brand strategist, healthcare consultant, founder of the Cannabis Business Council of Santa Barbara County, and known for bringing the data and not the drama. Y'all know what time it is, Liz Rogan? What you got for us?
3: Hi there, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us on this 420 week. My story comes out of the New York. Uh, comes out of New York city by the Gothamist reported by John Campbell. The headline reads, Mayor Adam wants cannabis on New York, uh, cha rooftops. The feds aren't on board. So that stands for, um, the New York department of housing and urban, I'm sorry, development. And so essentially growing cannabis takes up space, as we all know, and cultivating cannabis in a densely populated metropolis and other cities like New York are big challenges. So mayor, Eric Adams is thinking outside the box. So on April 9th, uh, at a panel of black mayors that was um, a big conference put on by the New York State Association of Black, Puerto Rican, Hispanic, and Asian legislators, he said, quote, we want to examine the possibilities of having greenhouse space on New York uh, rooftops to grow cannabis. The jobs can go from to New York uh, public housing residents. The proceeds and education can go right into employing people in the area, which is amazing. But unfortunately for Adams, New York, uh, U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, HUD, which provides more than half of the authorities, revenues through subsidies. So a spokesperson for Adams, Charles Letvac, said the mayor wants to ensure, quote, those targeted by the war on drugs are first in line to benefit from the legal cannabis industry. He said federal laws still on the books continue to harm the same communities that have been targeted for decades. And the House passed legislation to this effect earlier this month and we need those who are obstructing progress at the federal level to follow New York's lead. So as we know, the House passed the MORE Act on April 1st that would decriminalize cannabis on the federal level and remove it from the list of controlled substances. Um, the latest update in the Senate as of April 4th is it was received, read twice, and referred to the Committee on Finance. And HUD's office said they haven't heard from Adam's office. So this is obviously a big issue here um, that it's public housing. You know, I love what Adams is doing. I think this is great, but also at the same time, you know, this is a real, a kind of big step, but at the same time, we're seeing things move forward. So maybe there's possibility. And um, I think there would be some challenges with growing in a city in regards to uh, potential like environmental, like um, smog and other issues. But I think that's all things we can tackle. So this is Liz Rogan reporting for the state of cannabis news hour and I would love to hear what anyone else has to say on this topic. I say go big or go home.
5: Well, I'm uh, I'm, ca- I'm cautiously uh, I'm on Eric Adams' side with this shit, and I say cautiously because I don't trust that motherfucker, man. He's, he tries to act too cool, and um, at the same time, he's, inclu- he's increasing police presence, and he's opening up uh, those broken windows policies from the past as well. I think he's saying a bunch of shit publicly, and he's going to have a full-time Crack down on the back end of this shit. I don't trust them.
0: This is a dumbass idea. Whoever thinks that it's a smart idea to cultivate on federal property is just out of their fucking mind. I'm sorry.
1: It may be a pipe dream, Jason. It's but definitely a pipe dream. That, uh, those rooftops are collecting heat instead of uh, using that space for something really good that sunlight could go into those plants, I mean, there's got to be a way to figure it out. No
5: one wants that. And there's a lot of those rooftop gardens in New York are so dope, too. Have you, have you seen any of them? They look awesome. Yeah, I think it would be great to have a cannabis rooftop
8: Yeah, garden. they're gorgeous. They're gorgeous. And thank you, Liz, for this story. Um, just a question to some of the growers. Um, do any... Uh, what are the 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 glass houses i'm blanking on it now do they ever use solar energy and maybe rain barrels uh, for their water collection uh, to cut it's illegal
0: it's illegal to it's illegal in the united states to uh to save water from rain
8: we've got mary jane
1: oatman up from the audience hey mary jane did you want to weigh in on
4: this article well, oh, yeah, I was just um, thinking about the the comment that uh, was made about federal property, and I just found it really interesting. I, you know, cover a lot of the work that the tribes are doing uh, with the Indigenous Cannabis Coalition and THC Magazine, and I was thinking the same thing. But the way that they set up uh, one of the campuses in Southern California, they're actually permitting state regulated cannabis growers to grow on the tribal federal property so i don't think that anything is out of the out of the works when it comes to the gray area so um, just keep uh keep on the lookout for what's happening in tribal communities and indigenous cannabis because there's some really interesting things happening currently with under federal bartering statutes with interstate commerce um really interesting things
0: Tribal land is not federal land. There's a big, big difference. And we're talking about public housing.
3: I think that's a great point, uh, Mary Jane, when you look at also like where the funding has gone from the federal government for research they're using through tribes. And so I think that's a great point. Thanks for bringing that up. I just want to clarify you guys because I didn't say it correctly. New York CHA, or NYCHA stands for the New York City Housing Authority. So sorry, I kind of misconstrued that with HUD. But I'm curious, too, I think, like, for carbon filtration, you know, and sequestering, especially in cities, this would be great. But I do think it's it's uh, I'd love to see it happen. Thank you for all your comments. And
1: Mary Jane, we'd love to have you lead a roundtable discussion at the State of Cannabis in the Americas and continue this conversation. But let's keep smoking
0: the news. Is it you, Rico? That was just Liz. Oh, shit, my bad, my bad. All right. You're coming a- up next, this <laughs> former Northern California cop and dope dad traded in his gun and badge for a blunt and a notepad, except for when he's smoking with me because he only smokes joints. He's a cannabis security consultant for CC Security Solutions and our go to guy on law enforcement stories from an insider's point of view. And when we say that point of view, we're not talking about the barrel of a gun. What do you have for us this morning, Chris Eggers?
10: Mr. President Jason Beck, good morning to you and everybody else. My article today comes out of the New York Post. Yep, off-duty cops in New Jersey can now smoke cannabis without getting fired, according to the Attorney General. According to Attorney, Attorney General Matthew Plankton, he sent out a memo to the police chiefs Wednesday detailing the policy which allows officers 21 and older to consume cannabis in all forms while off the job a week before adult use, cannabis hits the shelves in the state. Now, I'd like to quote... Um, Let's see who, who am I quoting here. Um, I have a couple quotes from a couple of articles. Sorry about that. Um, Anyone who wants to work in public safety must be held to higher standards. Is a this is a quote according to Sawyer, who later states that our men and women in law enforcement have the responsibility to take to make life altering decisions on a daily basis for themselves, or partners, for the public. I want to trust that they are. Doing their best to do so, the Attorney General's directive leaves much to be desired. The Attorney General's memo assures us that state police will update their drug testing policy soon. What good will this do when there's no reliable test? We've talked about this at length before, I know, on this on this show. No reliable no reliable measure of what constitutes marijuana intoxication. We count on our police officers and our troopers to be clear-thinking, engaged, and responsible. Marijuana does not promote any of those things. And that is, according to uh, Republican Sawyer out of New Jersey, Assembly person, sorry, my, my apologies. Now, Plankton is also quoted in saying, but to be clear, there should be a zero tolerance policy for cannabis use, possession, or intoxication while performing the duties of a law enforcement officer. And there should be zero tolerance for unregulated marijuana consumption by officers at any time on or off duty while employed by this state. The safety of our communities and our officers demands no less. I thought this was really interesting. I think, um, obviously, you know, there's gonna be very, very differing opinions here, um, uh, you know, we're going back to talking about how do we understand if somebody is actually under the influence or not, and how is this going to affect, you know, potential DUI arrest cases out of New Jersey, uh, if, you know, for whatever reason, it's discovered that that officer was using marijuana off-duty. I mean, it's just, it just seems like there's going to be a lot of conversations to be had here, Um these articles continue to come out. I'll likely cover this again as the story develops, um, as more information becomes available. I'm super interested to hear what people think about this um, and the various opinions. I thought this was a really interesting article. Um, and is this right or is this not right? Love to hear your opinions. My name is Chris Eggers, Curtis. and I'm reporting for the State of Cannabis News Hour. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Chris, would this would this cause um, this uh, police municipality to lose their federal funding if something would say like a officer involved shooting and they came back that he had weed in the system?
10: I mean, that's a really that. I mean, going back to the previous article, right? With with HUD, I mean that's a that's a federal thing too, and and with federal funding around cannabis consumption, use, possession, et cetera, I think that's a really good question. I don't have that answer, but Jason, phenomenal question.
1: Mary, I'm trying to bring you up, but Clubhouse isn't letting me. Just FYI.
3: I just want to say I think this is great because especially like police officers and stuff. I mean, they're dealing with so much stress on the job. I feel like more now than ever. So I think this is great that they can use cannabis to help with their physical and mental issues for their health.
10: And this could this open up the floodgates for, you know, every other employer to also allow it. Right. I mean, if the cops can use it um, off duty, shouldn't, ev- you know, everybody be allowed to use it off duty without fear of being um, disciplined on at their job?
0: I'm just picturing a a police guy driving down the freeway in a high-speed chase smoking a joint. That's the whole vision I have in my head right now.
5: What? You mean Super Troopers? Yes, but in real life.
1: Best first 15 minutes of a movie ever.
5: How about you make cops choose between weed and booze? You can't do both.
1: We need less weed. rules. We need less rules, though, Rico. Less, less on the rules.
5: I'd rather encounter a cop on weed than a cop on booze.
3: Well, no shit. (laughs) No crossfade allowed for the cops, huh? Yeah.
5: Yeah, crossfade for the wind. Yes. Let's get some cops high as fuck. How about that? (laughs) Out in Dirty jerseys.
8: Clambake the cruiser! And whether or not cops realize that they're, you know, being affected by the trauma they're witnessing, even if they're perpetrating the trauma, that, that, witnessing is traumatizing themselves and the, the cannabis can only help them.
0: Well, Dr. Felicia, wouldn't that depend on their blood type per Dr. Mary's comments the other day? I'm
8: sorry. I don't remember that comment.
0: She was saying. That
1: was about something <laughs> <don't remember>. else. <laughs> she was, that, was, that was something else. Let's keep, right. let's keep smoking the news. <laughs> let's
5: keep moving forward. All right. He's a full time communication strategist and publisher of the American Cannabis Report. But the Clark Kent vibes in this man are strong. With sober thoughts being his only known kryptonite, best believe our next correspondent is shooting lasers out of his eyes while he reads this morning's story. Christopher Smith, what you got for us today, bum brother?
9: Good morning, Rico. Good morning, Susan and Jason. Went on a little Easter egg hunt yesterday, found a frosty nugget hidden in the Marijuana Moment by Kyle Yeager. DEA says illegal marijuana trafficking from Mexico is declining amid state legalization movement. Now, before you stand up and cheer, I need to tell you how much headlines this, like this worry me. I can guarantee you that people are pissed about this story. Pissed, I tell you. Stories like this make people lose their jobs. I mean, at Walmart, employees have to make their numbers. At banks and auto marts, they have to make their numbers. And so the DEA and Border Patrol, they have to make their numbers, and the numbers are going down. But it's worse than that. Stories like this could make certain people lose their minds. You know who the people, the type who hate the fact that we want to end the war on cannabis, the ones that believe that legalizing cannabis is going to result in selling drugs to the children, making our children into addicts, making our workers into lazy laggards and causing crime in the streets. Now everyone knows that libs are soft on crime. Perhaps we need to be a little softer on crime fighters. Perhaps we should pity the poor DE agents reading this headline, the the true believers, the meat eaters. What the hell are they going to do now that legalization of cannabis is working? They're going to have to go out and solve real crimes. I've been thinking about how hard it must be for those people who want to maintain prohibition. Think of all the bad news they've been getting lately. Headlines filled with bad news for the what about the children crowd like this one. Marijuana legalization hasn't led to more youth use. Report from the alcohol and tobacco industry back group says. And the same messaging is coming from the American Medical Association, the U.S. Department of Education, the Center for Disease Control, National Institute on Drug Abuse, and the Trump White House. Wow. What a bummer for the stop-and-frisk crowd. But hey, cannabis use among youth is not just stable, it's going down. This headline, youth marijuana use decreased significantly in 2021, despite state reforms, federally funded survey finds. And it's even ruining their bedtime story about how cannabis tears families apart. Like we reported last week, adult use marijuana laws are associated with a reduction in foster care admissions. And what about the people that think cannabis would make our workers lay down and take a nap like Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves? Well, headlines like this, top federal drug officials say there's no evidence that occasional marijuana use is harmful... For adults, Or this one. Marijuana industry will add nearly $100 billion to the U.S. economy this year in 2022. Or Leafly Job Reports showed that more than 428,000 full-time jobs are supported by the cannabis industry. And we should really feel badly for those law and order folk who believed that legalizing cannabis would cause more crime when they read headlines like, study Finds crime increased after dispensaries were forced to close. And marijuana legislation, is not linked with increased crime rates. So not only is legalizing cannabis here in the U.S. causing less drug smuggling and causing the cartels to go into honey and avocados down in Mexico, it's having all these other positive effects. Now I wonder if there's anyone in Washington who might be able to use this information. And I'm done speaking.
1: Great job, Christopher.
0: Fantastic. Uh, delivery christopher this amazing story um but i will say this is that the cartel doesn't give a shit about weed they only use weed to pay their coyotes and other track runners in the form and in in regards with smuggling other more uh dangerous drugs as well as human smuggling
5: and avocados
0: oh yeah forgot about the avocados but that counts as a dangerous drug
1: how long has that been true jason
0: um for at least the last five years
1: well the, the I think the point Christopher was making is, is so beautifully is that the DEA is having to admit it you know Well that, that, that's because it's that's big. because their
0: numbers they're they're, they're not catching as much but what they are catching much more of is a whole bunch more human traffickers and other other more illicit drugs look at all the fentanyl that they're catching
1: Yes, and good thing. I I just started watching uh, the white soft underbelly, and there's a lot of people addicted to that stuff. It's terrible.
3: This is a great story, Christopher. Thank you. I think also it highlights, you know, we know that there's a lot of, in addition to, like, cannabis and other drug trafficking, it also brings along sex trade and all these other things that are really negative.
0: Thank you so Thank you so much, Chris. That was a fantastic story and loved your delivery. Truly amazing. And coming up next, she's the Plants for Life CEO and a dual board certified physician well known for helping folks understand and manifest immense innate powers over their personal health by using cannabis as it was intended as medicine. Dr. Felicia Dawson, what do you have for us this morning, girl?
8: Thank you, Jason. Happy Monday, everyone. My headline comes from the New York Post. Pregnant Rihanna on Giving Up Pot, I Can't Just Go and Smoke a Joint Right Now, by Jeanette Centembre. Nobody does pregnancy like Rihanna. In a new Vogue interview, the freshly crowned queen of maternity style, who is expecting her first baby with rapper ASAP Rocky, opens up about her life as a soon-to-be mom. From her pregnancy cravings, tangerine sprinkled with salt, to her mild brushes with morning sickness, the pop diva is happily breezing through her third trimester. Still, the 34-year-old is candid about one big challenge, saying goodbye to marijuana. Quote, I was bracing myself for something insane because I knew I wouldn't have my usual coping mechanism. I can't just go and smoke a joint right now, she told the magazine, of riding out her hormonal swings without her usual crutch, end of quote. The article then goes on to quote Dr. Jennifer Wu in OBGYN and Dr. Sharana Newman, a child and adult psychiatrist, who both echo the official statements for pregnant and breastfeeding women to abstain from cannabis given the existing research. Most of this research is not very meaningful. However, it apparently swayed Rihanna's decision. Dr. Wu also discourages pregnant women from using CBD. She recommends pregnant women try therapy and meditation to deal with anxiety. Dr. Newman agrees and recommends, quote, cognitive behavioral psychotherapy, mindfulness practice, walking, and other gentle exercise, improving sleep hygiene, as well as having a healthy approach to nutrition and hydration, end of quote. Dr. Janella Chin, an integrative medical cannabis physician, recommends CBD to pregnant women suffering from severe morning sickness when all else fails. She does feel that we should evaluate each person on a case-by-case basis and be fully aware of the benefits versus the risks. The article ends with soon to be mama Rihanna saying, quote, I was pleasantly surprised that I've been able to manage, end of quote. I like this article because it reminds pregnant women of some of the helpful options that can be employed during pregnancy. I differ a little bit with Dr. Chin regarding CBD in pregnancy. Our ancestors did not use CBD in isolation. They used the whole plant. In my opinion, if you're going to use CBD, it should be organic, full spectrum, containing some of the other minor cannabinoids and consumed in a safe way. I'm happy that Rihanna was able to explore and find alternative solutions to handle the spiritual, emotional, and physical challenges of pregnancy on top of whatever else she has experienced in her lifetime. This is not always the case for many who may not have the means or support to explore these other options or for whom these options did not work. These are the women who need access to save cannabinoid medicine without fear of losing custody of their children or being placed on some registry. I'm Dr. Felicia Dawson, reporting for the State of Cannabis News Hour.
1: I love this, it? I love this story and the way that you handled it. Um, I, I wish you would have gone a little bit further and talked about how easy it was it is to put aside cannabis for a period of time, you know. In in regards to to addiction, the claims of addiction.
0: Why'd you use the word period, Susan? Jason.
11: Nicole. I I would just like to, yes, good morning, everyone. I would just like to add that this article also mentions that Dr. Chin also says that um, if you have severe, she says, I think CBD is okay in moderation. If you have a smooth pregnancy and you have terrible morning sickness and you've tried other types of remedies, it still doesn't work, then it's Okay. Um, so I, I think that w- w- something that wasn't mentioned in this article that is is valid for um, a pregnant women and mothers um, is using cannabis as um, not smoking it because that's harmful for them for everybody, um, the mother and the baby. But using it in a tea um, to help reduce um, nausea um, and not get so much of the psychoactive effects, but definitely get the benefits medicinally of using the plant to help with some of the symptoms that come along with pregnancy.
0: Does anybody know if she's having a boy or a girl?
11: Yeah, I agree. That I don't know. My my dad was an OBGYN, an infertility specialist. And, w- you know, one of the things um, that he recommended for patients was using cannabis in a T form, not smoking it um, because that causes more harm, releases more toxins in the smoke. Um, and so I, I think it's just it's something that that hasn't been researched enough um, to say that it's harmful for baby and mother to use cannabis in that form, um, but we know that it would help with nausea.
8: Well, that, that is definitely the, one of the ways, main ways that they used it in Melanie Dreher's, um study back in, in Jamaica. But when you have severe hyperemesis, you, you, even drinking tea is, not, is a non-starter, and that's why people have to find safer ways to bring it in through their lungs, because they can't tolerate anything by mouth.
5: We got to wrap that one. Thank you so much for that story, Dr. Felicia. And I hope that uh, Rihanna's uh, pregnancy is not too rocky. All right. Up next is the CMO heart, 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 of heart. award-winning event technology platform, Event High, and co-host of Groundbreaking Women, focused Blunt Brunch, the event series, taking women and mo- movers and shakers in the bits to the next level. Up next, Adelia Carrillo. What you got for us today? Bring Good us home. Night.
12: Yes. Good morning, everyone. Today is Cannabis Advocates' Push for Decriminalization in Taiwan. This was by, the name is going to get me, Babatundi Lucas. Uh, An advocacy group called Green Sensation held a press event in Taipei, issuing a request for cannabis to be decriminalized by means of an amendment to the Narcotics Hazard Protection Act. And they also want to accept cannabis for medical use in Taiwan, along with the sale of medical cannabis, uh, medicinal products containing up to 0.3% to be legalized in Taiwan. Green Sensation spokesman Chung said at the press conference, the Taiwan government's Uh, policies on cannabis were fragmented as the ministry of justice continued to wage war on cannabis users while the ministry of health and welfare was granting special approval for people to import medicines containing cannabidiol the second most active ingredient in cannabis the press conference was held ahead of what taiwan calls 420 weed day the event in taiwan in Taipei on Saturday was held at Liberty Square under the theme "End the War on Cannabis," and it included fun activities, musical performances, and speeches. Green Sensation initially planned an attendance countdown to 4:20 p.m. at Liberty Square. Uh, however, before heading over to the um, MOJ for a press conference, after which it would have handed the ministry a petition signed by more than 14,000 people, the ministry, however, deemed the activities illegal. So, unfortunately, Green Sensation moved its schedule to hold a press conference at 10.30 a.m. before the start of other activities. Um, Even with following the request during the press event, Green Sensation and other cannabis advocates were asked three times by police to disperse. Uh, What police did was they said the group had started the public event ahead of the initially announced schedule and may have been using the petition as a ruse to stage an illegal protest. I found this, you know, I did find this inspiring in a weird way and, and a reminder of how this is truly a global movement and that we still all have a lot of work to do as a community. Uh, anyone else have any thoughts on what's going in, on in Taiwan? And this is Adelia and I'm reporting for the State of Cannabis News Hour.
1: We've reached the top of the hour, and uh, thank you so much, Adelia. That was a really great show. If you missed any of it, make sure to catch the replay or find us a few hours after the show anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you like the content, please subscribe and leave a review. A big thank you to all of the correspondents that comb through all the headlines each day to bring us just what we need to know. A big thank you to Rico and Jason for co-producing the show and our pinup girl, Liz Rogan. And thank you, audience, for being our eyes and ears when there's news in your city county state or country your addition to our show makes the state of cannabis news hour news you can trust
5: you've been tuned in to the state of cannabis news hour where we collectively move policy forward in an inclusive and sustainable way start your morning on a high note and join us every weekday 9 a.m pacific time for the state of cannabis news hour your daily dose bye <laughs> so that's what...